0: Nothing's absolutely at all happened to the fantasy football world today.
1: Nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all.
0: False start. Beerfield. Five yard penalty. Oh, what do we do? Replay first down. I forgot to start the YouTube stream.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding, guys.
0: Welcome to Beer Field, where we're not going to scam you in a charity league because not enough people listen to us to run a charity league. I'm your host, at Beer Field Op, with two bees, as always, joined by (laughs) at at Beer Field 30. That's a shot
1: at both us and the news today, because remember when we used to have enough people to do a charity league? We probably still do, but we probably still do. I'd have to try. We would have to try, and and for those of us out there that know, we don't want to try that hard. Indeed we Not do. hard enough to scam you guys, that's for sure. No, no,
0: not not at all hard enough to do that. <laughs> Jesus. More on that in a minute. S- um, Nothing
1: happened today, I swear. Yeah,
0: swear. First thing I saw on Twitter when I logged in this evening, like, oh, let me let oh, look at that. Um, I'll get straight to the chase. We're doing a show for you today. We don't have any guests because they all t- told us no. Um, <laughs> like they have family stuff going on and whatnot. This is really <laughs> it's like night. they we
1: have lives. What do you mean you want to make time for us? You know, you,
0: we do have a makeup show with Josh Lurkey next week. So we that's are so, I'm so fucking happy. That'll be good. Uh, So we're continuing our draft class look back. We're going to talk about the 2020 NFL draft class as we do draft class look backs as we get ready for the actual NFL draft. Coming
1: up. Soon. Soon. As in like two and a half months, right? right. No. It's two months. Three months. Three months. No, no. It's the end of April. Yeah. It's about two and a half months. Yeah, about two and a half. Yeah, so yeah, but yeah. combine is
0: into this month.
1: So it's gotta be only like three, four weeks.
0: Yeah, combine's coming up. <sighs> two weeks?
1: No, it can't be that. I thought the combine was after combine's, the start of the new year.
0: Combines at the or maybe it's before end the of February, start. Of I got it. I'm pretty sure.
1: Gen- generally, it's
0: March first to March seventh. It's the week before the new league year starts.
1: Ah, that's right.
0: So there you go. Combine coming up. Uh, been watching. Started started film. Uh, spent all of January going through statistical profiles and stuff to get my film list put together. So just about done with quarterbacks. I kind of got the the low t- the low end guys that could be something like the Bailey Zaps and the Dustin Crumbs of the world to uh to pay attention to. But I'm through most of what people are debating over and. I'll I'll just say it right now. There's a lure in some of these guys, but I think for me, Kenny Pickett, so far, well, I, won't, I don't want to say so far ahead in any trade, but so much more well-rounded. He is right easily now that I think he's easily the QB one.
1: And he's, well, he's not mine, but I think he's easily the most the most pro-ready, the most starting experience, and I think if he lands in an offense like Pittsburgh, who's got a yeah. you know. Great playmakers around him. I, I have my questions, but here's your. I have my questions for everybody. Here's your one. My one right now, and it's just because of a fantasy upside, Malik Willis. I do. No other quarterback in this league can touch his his upside. Willis is my two. My opinion. Willis is my two. Uh, And that's not because I think he's a good quarterback. He, I think he's a below average. Hurts Lamar Jackson at best, but he's built. He's big, and he's got a big arm. And he's but he's got, also not very good at throwing the football. Big,
0: he, he's got a big arm. He can throw the football. He's got some zip. He's just got some things to work on. Well, just, just a little preview on what you're going to get out of it. Yeah, yeah. Coverage, yeah. You'll get this, you know, an episode per position, basically. But yeah, I do agree on... on There's a reason why
1: that they're trying to make the Josh Allen parallels. Yeah. He's not Josh he's Allen. not. He's not not. Not. He's not... He's not He's on NFL Josh Allen prospect wise. Yeah. Yeah. Not but.
0: from what I saw, but I get it. No. Yeah. Matt mm-hmm. Corral might actually be, well, he's a lot smaller. Anyway, more on yeah. that. <laughs> more on that as we get yeah, into the actual drive smaller. stuff. But um, today, we're looking at the 2020 drive class. So uh, we'll look at kind of what we got what right, what we got wrong, and roll through uh, some dynasty outlooks there. And then we're going to do a rendition of Beerfield Reed's uh, Roto World because quite frankly it's rumor season it's wishful thinking season so there's some funny stuff that has been floating around the internet and we do
1: like funny stuff that is true
0: i didn't prepare for this episode at all so we're straight raw dogging it um (laughs) we also got to get in on some of the fantasy industry news that broke but before we do that as always we're drinking what's fueling beer field Dan, you got a really big glass with the, what looks like not a really big beer in it?
1: No, yeah. It looks like it, there's no beer. It's like, he's oh, already drank half of a 54-ounce glass, if not more. It's be 72. Anyways, I am drinking uh, Moontucky's, uh Cold Snack. This is a Pilsner that's out of Montana. This is the uh, unofficial beer of Montana. I said it on the can. 8% back to local uh, causes, which is also great. Uh, one of my buddies asked the beer guy at Benny's to make sure that he keeps this in stock. So I decided, well, I wanted to drink something pretty light for the show because I wanted to drink out of this comically large glass. So here we are drinking a pilsner from the brewery called Montucky. And the beer is called Cold Snack.
0: Very nice. All right. And for me, I am drinking on uh, St. Louis Brewery, Urban Chestnut. This is a Russian Imperial Stout called Thrails. Thralis? Thrails? Thrails? Uh, 9% ABV. So uh, no adjuncts or anything in this one. Just a straight Russian Imperial Stout. So nice. All right. Uh, let's start with the news from the fantasy world. So all of this is alleged. Let's start off yep. there. It is all um, yes. Although right. Sleeper HQ has investigated, one of the people involved in you know straight up just kicked them the hell off the platform. So, um, so Twitter at Hus the Prophet, uh, Hus as he goes by, has apparently been scamming people uh, in the name of charity. So. You know, running a multitude of charity leagues and, uh, you know, so a couple people asked for receipts to see where the money was going. And he uh, was either unable or unwilling to provide those receipts. So uh, there were reports made to Sleeper and Sleeper investigated it and booted him the hell off. It gets a little deeper than that. Um, you know, all money was being sent direct to him over PayPal. Uh, yeah. First, first and foremost, if you're playing in leagues, with people you don't really know—that's uh, a red flag right there. They should. That's this is the reason places like League Safe exist, or that Sleeper is uh, either has or is working on the ability to pay direct in the app. Um, a lot of the charity leagues centered around a uh, signed item giveaway. We saw some of the pictures of some of the jerseys that were definitely off pristine auction, so. For those of you that don't know, Pristine Auction is a great site, but you're not getting licensed stuff and you're typically getting a lot of the signed stuff. While it's authentic signatures and everything, you're getting it at a steep discount. So He's got 12-person leagues at $100 buy-in is $1,200 with a $20 jersey giveaway. $30 jersey giveaway. Whatever. Claiming he's losing money through a memorabilia business. Screenshots of that one, too. By doing those giveaways. And
1: no idea where the money went. So, a little more context to this. So, he's he's doing this, you know, as you said, based around these uh, jersey leagues. There's 150 of these leagues. This has been going on for up, I think. So, we're going to, it says about four to five years. Yeah,
0: at least five years, I think, is what I saw in the comment thread.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's about four to five years, 150 plus, or right around their total leagues. Buy ins are ranging between 65 and 100 bucks. And obviously, you know, with all this being alleged and with a lot of he says, she said, Huss was a moderator for, uh, you know, for Sleeper. He's been around since the uh, beginning of it. And apparently a lot of this is after he was told to stop doing this on the app, I believe, too, because he used to promote it. Sleeper told him to stop it. And then he did it anyways, I think, on its own or just something like it was supposed to be sponsored, something about it. And yeah, it's... uh it's pretty fucking, it's pretty sketchy. And the fact that, uh, he also, him and, and Miss Malls also, uh, are the ones that do the draft night out, which is, I think, a sponsored paid event for the FF Expo. <laughs> so, and yeah, it's, uh, not a great look. The fact that, uh, this, this community, this space really prides itself on the, uh, the charitable side of things you know most notably scott fish and the scott fish bowl and the you know and the fantasy cares foundation that's been created through this space is absolutely incredible and then you get somebody like us who's allegedly doing and scamming you know people upwards to a hundred thousand dollars effectively scamming charities because he's not donating to them it's uh not good as they say not good yeah it's
0: it's not good. He also apparently had some involvement with uh, draft night out in the FF expo. Um, you know, just, I just said, that. sorry, <laughs> I was reading it on, I'm reading through the oh, retweets. Oh, sorry, through yeah. While yeah. You're talking. So, um,
1: let And if you're on Twitter, you can probably find a long thread that's been posted about it. And, uh, Uh, Not as much. It's not as talked about as much. I guess what it's. I mean. So. It's not. uh, It hasn't been blowing up to the extent I thought it would.
0: No, because it's mostly going to impact people in the industry. I mean, it's blowing up. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. 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 A bunch of his league mates decide to come forward. It's like. It's not one of those things where. Defrauding charity doesn't have the same movement behind it as racism and sexual assault. So it's not blowing up as much from a humanitarian level is i think some some of the other people that have been busted out do yeah it's still bad uh draft night out let's see um eat sleep ff gonna handle 100 percent of the finances which apparently is what was going on before um operations partner nothing about him staying going whatever i don't know i feel more disconnected from this community every day
1: yeah, and it, it's it's becoming more and more, and now it's becoming obviously, yeah, more reasons why a lot of the older old are are kinda stepping out more and more, kind of doing
0: their own thing, bowing out of a lot of these, you know, compilation efforts and stuff because of this. And uh, I won't mention it. I know you kind of said we don't need to, but I'm going to, um, just because I feel like. There was too much of a free pass for her last misdeeds. Uh, Yeah. Steffi Small is also caught up in this one. Now, no, there is zero evidence. I'll be very upfront with this. There's zero evidence that says that she knew what Huss was allegedly doing and was any more than just a partner. Huss had approached us before to be partners with this stuff at one point or on some things at one point back several years ago. And, there's something nick didn't like and we ended up declining that i think nick didn't yeah. like it for some reason we I, for some reason we ended up declining it didn't feel right about it but there's
1: there's multiple times that myself and nick were approached whether it be you know when we were at the yeah at the go fantasy in fort worth or for you know through you know through DMs on on various you know social platforms so Thankfully, our, uh, our keen sense, our sparty sense went off. Yeah. But it's just sad that it's anyway, it just Ste- happened
0: to be this. Steffi helped recruit membership, uh, had a promo code for it, which is really weird that there's a promo code for charity leagues because why do you need to track? Uh, promo codes, for those that don't know, by the way, are, are tracked to... And it's so important for podcasters that you use them because they're designed to track the business's benefit from advertising with you. And directly quantify, you know, what level of sales you brought to that business or that product. It's not just to give you a discount, but those codes are also tracked to to tell the business we, uh, you know, we got this much value out of advertising with this person. Or you know, sometimes there's deals worked out around you get a percentage of what you sell, yeah, or yep. what drives there. And for there to be a promo code associated with that tells me that. You know, there were probably, um, if not kickbacks, at least some tracking around marketing value there. So, you know, in you know, free marketing, right? You don't track that shit because all free work advice is good advice, right? But, yep. you know, there's probably some money involved there, which is really weird for just charity. You can hide that as an operating expense. And I guess that's fine if you're saying all proceeds go to, right? But, in any event yeah she was advertising for this too no evidence that she knew what was going on in the background um no i'm purely speculating based on the existence of a promo code what that led to only being mentioned here because quite frankly she shouldn't have gotten taken a break from twitter for a week and then completely forgiven for the shit that she did so there you go sorry basically might have been been two weeks pardon me I, i i need to think about what i did it leads it long enough for the heat to die down then immediately shows back up. Fucking sickening. I can promise you guys this, though. Dan and I, we're real journalists. We've been on the phone with Sleeper HQ to get to the bottom of this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it was... Uh... You know, we even got to talk to their lawyer team. You know, we were told that it's none of our business, but then we were like, Wait, 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 hey, hey. I'm in hey. the industry. <laughs> I'm in the industry, bro. Uh, I'm
0: in the industry, dude. Have I you not this. heard of Beerfield Podcast? I I'm this. telling you,
1: man. They're gonna blow up soon. Right. It's only taken three hundred and seventy five episodes. We're gonna fucking get there, okay? Hey, we were larger We point. were there once. Anyway. anyway. We cared once.
0: On to the real news. Uh Alvin Kamara punched a guy. Um, we talked about that last week. Apparently, it was a Chiefs cornerback that was with them, so he's been arrested on felony charges. Uh, what else do we got? Kevin O'Connell officially hired, which seems like that took forever. Uh, well, they wanted
1: to wait. I think they were trying to be respectful to the, you know, to him, you know, winning the Super Bowl the Super and Super Bowl, and yeah, and I think there is. I wouldn't be shocked because there's other coordinators you brought over. There's a long list of. You know, right after the O'Connell signing, there's Brendan and his old staff and stuff. So,
0: yeah. Uh, Kirk Cousins expected to remain the Vikings quarterback, although there has been rumors of interest from Deshaun Watson, just making sure we cover every angle here.
1: Yeah. And, 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 and for those of, you know, for the Vikings fans out there, look, new head coach, new GM is not going to go out there and talk shit about your quarterback. Say, you know, this it's, it's about a boat of confidence for them to say, we're going to stick with Kirk Cousins. It does not absolutely mean, there's no shape and way that they will not trade Kirk Cousins. <laughs> so just calm down, people out there thinking that you know it's it's a hundred percent guarantee that he's going to be the Vikings quarterback week one. Even though I think he will.
0: Uh, beat writer Mark Caboli believes the Steelers should take a peek at impending free agent Marcus Mariota. Well, yeah, they should. They should take a peek at every quarterback because they need one, um, and their defense is in a win now window. So. I mean, I can tell you from watching this draft class that, you know, there's not really anybody not named Kenny Pickett that I really like is a day one starter or potentially even a year one starter. So you better go out and pick up your premium tier free agents and, you know, sniff around some of these higher end backups like Trubisky or Mariota that are going to be free agents or even, you know, not backups like Jameis Winston and Teddy Bridgewater and figure your shit out.
1: Yeah, it's not a class to be praying you hit on a franchise QB. Though one of these guys will probably end up. Yeah, I mean, there's
0: a hit. Yeah, I mean, there's four or five guys that are firmly in the could be category that have traits that play. It's just will they? I'll Uh, say
1: this: it could range from two first round QBs, one or two to potentially six. six. Like there's (laughs) the range is fucking large. Range of outcomes. There's a lot of good QB. There's a lot of good QB2 journeyman quarterbacks. Yes, I'll say that. Um,
0: let's see. Nope, nothing else there. Tom Clements, I guess. Here's
1: yeah, I'm going, going through. on
0: there. Uh, the, the Bucks have done a ton of work looking into a Russell Wilson acquisition, as they should. Ditto for what I just. <laughs> They're in a win-now window. They don't have a quarterback. Everything I just said for the Steelers, pick up, rinse, and repeat.
1: And Ali, not Ali enough, Sean Watson, Damian the Bucs is a potential candidate. Of course. Watson doesn't have a no-trade clause, so he does get to kind of pick and choose what he accepts, what he'll waive the clause for. So, Zach Taylor extended through 2022 to 2026.
0: Yeah, when you make the Super Bowl, that'll happen. Yep, he should have been. I mean, look, you oversee the rebuild, turn it around in two years, make a Super Bowl ahead of schedule. And I would consider that ahead of schedule because, I mean, the line wasn't worthy of a yeah, Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, Bowl yeah. And the defense overperformed. Yeah, no, you you deserve that.
1: Regardless of how you feel about him as an actual coach, he, he, you know, he did a, he, he did all this within two years. Yeah. See, pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah.
0: Saints are retaining Pete Carmichael. Let's see. Aaron Donald. Going to continue his playing career. Yeah, that was a weird report at the beginning of the Super Bowl that he might retire.
1: Oh, fuck. There's been, like, there's been, I I don't know how real the rumors are, but Sean McVay mulling retirement, which makes no fucking sense because he's He's
0: 36 36 years old
1: and just won a Super Bowl. His fifth year as a head coach. It's fucking impressive. Uh Seahawks
0: signed Darwin Thompson. Remember when he was a thing? Who? Darwin Thompson. Who? That running back everybody thought was gonna hit with the Chiefs. Oh. You remember him from two years ago?
1: Darrell Williams?
0: No. <laughs> I know what you're talking
1: about speed and facetious. Shut <laughs> up.
0: <laughs> uh MCL sprain for Burrow took a weird hit. Uh, it looked rough, man. Looked, drive looked rough. looked like it was going to be bad.
1: Between him and Stafford, man, I, 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 thought I think we it was within like two series, wasn't it? It was. It's was like, it like we almost lost both quarterbacks in the third quarter. Yeah, I thought we were going to get backups. Uh, uh,
0: Adrian Peterson God. not facing felony domestic violence charges following his arrest on
1: Sunday, but there was still a domestic violence arrest. He's got to be done. I had no clue that this even happened. That's so fucking sad it's gotten. Where a repeat offender. Oh, excuse me. He didn't beat his wife. He, he beat said, his kid.
0: Ashley said that at no point did Peterson hit her. He, they got into an altercation. He grabbed the ring off of her finger, leaving a scratch. In the state of California, pressed the
1: charge. Well, either way, he probably made a pretty aggressive move, you know, towards her. That
0: I mean, it's got. I mean, it's
1: often in physical violence, but easily uh, mental.
0: How? Let's think about this for a second, though, right? Have you ever tried to grab the ring off of somebody's finger? That's, that's not, yeah, that shouldn't coming off like butter, bro. Uh, Dolphins looking to hire, uh, Daryl Bevel as their pass game coordinator. Okay. 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 He did all right with Jacksonville there at the end. I mean, they looked better than they did under Urban Meyer, I guess. Couldn't That's right, he was worse. with
1: Jacksonville. That's true. I mean, it, it couldn't have gotten much worse. Yeah, he was the interim head coach, so. That's right.
0: Kyler Murray refused to go back into the team's playoff loss to the Rams in the fourth quarter. This, this saga is interesting.
1: It's, uh, like, I, I, I don't give two shits about the social media thing, but... The reports coming out from some of the uh, assistant coaches talking about Murray's, I guess, nonverbal kind of body language. It's uh, leadership stuff. Leadership, and it's there's there's other things coming out. You know, through various times. Look, he's young. He just suffered, you know, another pretty agonizing loss after a pretty brutally bad game by him. Like. I'm not saying he's not at fault here. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a pass on this one. He was uh, pissed. The game was out of reach. I don't say pass. I don't pass, think he gets a
0: pass, but he's got to learn from it and grow. And that, yeah, the Cardinals yeah. seem to be willing to let him do that, and his teammates seem to be nurturing of that. And even Murray says he regretted the social media scr- scrubbing. Like maybe he's realizing that it's just something that he's got to grow up from. It doesn't affect the on-field play, and it doesn't affect his. His outlook at this point. So
1: there's no fucking way that Cardinals, who have made multiple moves to give him veteran pass catchers, that they're just going to let him go willingly. I mean, he's still a top seven quarterback in the league and is one of the most sought after build around pieces. There's no, he's not being moved on from. I mean, there's, unless something big comes out, like Deshaun Watson bad. There, there is he's. There's no way he's being moved on from. This is just, yeah. This is just noise at this point.
0: It is, and you're gonna see a lot of that filling the offseason. season. Uh, Allen Robinson not expected back with the Bears because
1: no shit. <laughs> shocking. It's about As shocking as Marquise Brown not retiring, Mike McDaniel <laughs> said that
0: he would start Jalen
1: Waddle in fantasy. Yeah, oh God, I just and people ate that. i you mean, be like, does Jalen Waddle in the mood now, guys? No. New head coach is not gonna hype up his best offensive player. He cr- J- should Christ, have been man. starting
0: Jalen Waddle in fantasy all last year too, regardless of what he says.
1: Yeah, I think by like week two or three proved pretty obvious that Waddle was gonna become an every week starter. Yeah. I mean I mean the Dolphins told us pretty fucking early that they want to get him involved early and often.
0: Uh let's see, Bill's gonna focus on protecting Josh Allen. Good, although he doesn't need it as bad as some other quarterbacks do, that might be less mobile
1: and smaller. Joe Burrow. Just God for just stop fucking giving him draws. Just stop running him. Let yeah. the man do what he needs to do. Just don't run them Just don't design run him. That's that's one way.
0: Uh let's see. Colts a lot of rumors around the Colts looking to move on from Carson Wentz if they can, but they're
1: saddled with that
0: contract so.
1: Well, you got traded before with that same contract. I don't I, doubt I don't happen again. I don't think anybody's done. With, they're stuck with that one. No. <laughs> Sucks for them.
0: Uh, let's see. Metcalf removed. A screw, getting, getting a screw removed. <laughs> we we'll for return to the Rams in yeah. the 2022 season. Sean McVay said, "We'll see."
1: Jesus, this is my like favorite and least favorite time of the year for news because if all the because uh, it's so it's quiet. So People stupid. just sh- stupid sh- everything up,
0: and I bet that some of these guys are just fucking with the media.
1: Oh, God, yeah, I would. I'd I be would be blessed.
0: Just write whatever you want.
1: Someone gave a percentage chance. Kirk Cousins has a 25% Ooh. chance of being traded. Really? 25%. Uh, I, I would give it 50-50 because it's a yes or a no when they get asked. <laughs> Mike <Patton. laughs> Uh To the Vikings.
0: Odell Beckham towards ACL again in the Super Bowl. This was sad to watch because bounced around tumultuous day in cleveland on the comeback trail and then you knew when you saw the i mean Dude, it we, looked yeah i think i texted oh. you immediately and said that was non-contact like
1: it was bad it you know i feel odell gets a lot of shit and i think a lot of it is definitely deserved he's earned his right to be considered one of the more diva you know, players over the last 20 years but all the dude wanted to do was just play football on a system that works for them. He worked his way up, he got there, and he was going on to have a probably pretty fucking good Super Bowl. He already scored a touchdown. And you see this, it's just oof.
0: Peak off season. You ready? You sitting down?
1: I hope so. Hold on. The Athletics Ted Wynn said
0: Raiders head coach Josh McDaniels could emphasize a screen passing game in twenty twenty two.
1: We're gonna get screen passes to Deshaun Jackson. The hunter Renfro? Josh
0: Jacobs. I which Josh get, Jacobs? I mean, look. Kenyon Drake. This is where we're at in the news cycle. Right. Nice. This, this off this concept is a staple in every NFL offense. Yeah, it's gonna be used here.
1: That's where we're at. (laughs) It's like that's like acts in a defensive corner. Yeah, you know, we might we might implement the blitz. I don't know,
0: maybe. Running back screens are the second thing that or the third thing that go in your playbook right after all nines and (laughs) a run up the middle. (laughs) A power eye. Right.
1: Yeah. Well no, with your two hundred and seventy five pound fullback.
0: Uh, Brian Flores adding the Texans to his lawsuit alleging discriminatory hiring practices, you know, the team that just hired two black head coaches in back-to-back seasons. But the but Texans God, suck, so do it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> now we're to the Super Bowl.
0: Uh, Stuff. And Steven Ross. Yeah, I think we're done now. Yeah, Steven yeah. Ross could be forced to sell the team. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they're not forcing Dan Snyder to tell the team. If they force Steven Ross to sell the team because of tanking allegations, the NFL is literally telling you that they value the game more than they value the well-being of the people in the offices and the culture that they're establishing if Steven Ross is forced to sell, but Dan Snyder was not.
1: We all know Dan Snyder's got incriminating evidence against everyone. Roger Goodell. He hired a a private P.I. To take pictures of Goodell and very submissive situations in a private hotel room, <laughs> like in every fucking you know movie about this.
0: All right, you ready to get into some of this?
1: Let's do it, dude. I'm more excited about this class than in 2019. At least 2020 has given us, uh, it's given us some stuff. All right, well, I'll kind of work through it. Not in order of draft,
0: but in order of of relevance right now. So let's go with your, uh let's start with your current starters. So it's going to be Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts are your current starters from this. And I think going into this, those are the four that we really expected to be starters. I mean, Hurts took a
1: bit because of being a second rounder. But I, and just because there wasn't any rumblings of him, like it wasn't as much rumblings of him as a first round pick, we were all very hopeful. You and I especially, because we were we were you know trying to pound the table for him. You know, to be transparent, we both had him ahead of of Justin Herbert. You know, pre draft, so we definitely wanted to see Hertz be taken in the first round.
0: Yeah. I thought I did think that Hurts should have went first round. He didn't, but you know what? This is exactly what I expected out of this class. It is is these four would at least get starting jobs now. Uh, Joe Burrow obviously has cemented himself as the best quarterback in this class right now, just barely over Justin Herbert though. So this is one where we
1: definitely got
0: got two studs out of this.
1: Yeah, I mean they're both. I mean, if we're talking, especially for fantasy, they're both. They're they're both a part of my top six, which is my top tier. Yep. And dynasty for sure. And they're all. I mean, everything's side of Mahomes, Allen, and Jackson. They're all relatively interchangeable for me. Well, and those it- are like subsections in my tiers because it's all one big tier.
0: Yeah, and. You know they're kind of similar, right? They both are getting it done through the passing game, through good volume. They both, Burrow actually has a lot more weapons than what Herbert does when you break it down. That's um, why he's slightly over. That's why he's yeah. slightly higher. Um, yeah, higher. Herbert's a little bit better protected, but I mean those two guys, I think that are they're locked and loaded as top seven dynasty quarterbacks, regardless how you slice it, um, and are going to be you know playing for years to come. The two guys were less sure about. Their longevity are going to be Tua Tagovailoa and Jalen Hurts. Um, A lot of rumors seem to be swirling around Tua in Miami. He's been, you know, hurt. He's looked average, slightly above average for parts of a couple seasons. He's looked below average a couple times. So, what do you make of of Tua long term? Is he is he going to be carving himself out in Miami? Is he destined to just kind of flounder around a Derek Carr level of performance, which is what I think about a quarterback that is good enough to stay a starter for a team but doesn't really move the needle at all.
1: I think he there I I think he's easily he'll, he'll easily be the dolphin starter through his rookie contract. He's led them to near playoff performance or, or to near playoff berths, you know, every year. This is a team that's also in the midst of a rebuild. They just fired the head coach. That's the only big concern is, is you know what does McDaniel do? McDaniels, dude. Now, if Tua doesn't like his lease, is obviously shortened. When you lose your head coach that brought you in, that helped bring you in, that helped you know develop you uh, along with the, his own coaching staff, there is there is some risk there. But Tua's done so much, and I think he's going to be good enough. He's he's basically uh, he's better Teddy, right? He's going to be smart with the football. He's going to have his games, but he's he's not. At least not now. He's he's not that that three hundred and two guy. He's not going out there and because he's not going to get rushing volume. That's going to you know propel him the same way that Jalen Hurst does. um, You know to offset some of his poor passing performances. Tua's a new age game manager, and I think we just have to accept that.
0: I mean, yeah, uh, middle of the pack and. in pass plays for game, 30th in air yards. And I have to see, this is going to be the one thing that's going to be interesting to see with the Dolphins in general. I talked, I've talked about it a bit with Waddle and his low A dot is do yeah. they try to stretch this offense a little bit more? You know, what does Mike McDaniel try to do with this offense? What do they do personnel wise? Are they going to put more into the running game and, you know, maybe fall off of that even being top third of the league in pass plays? Or, you know, do they try to, open it up a little bit more with more, you know, mid-field stretching concepts, that type of thing, because, you know, everything else is good, but 30th in air yards and 27th in passing yards, you know, that's not what you want to see, but what is good for Tua, uh, third in accuracy rating, that'll come off a little bit as you start to throw further down the field, but that, you know, him being that high tells me that, yeah, you can afford to open this up a little bit. He's number one in deep ball completion percentage. Um, or tied at 50%. I don't know how many attempts, but they're there. Tenth in pressured completion, fourth in play action, first in red zone, tenth in clean pocket. I mean, he's a top, tier, top third qu- quarterback in all of your accuracy metrics. So there are definitely things there that say you could stretch the field a little bit more, and there is a higher ceiling there for Tua than what we've seen. Um, you know, I don't advocate a buy. I don't think he's going to hit, you know, Burrow or Herbert levels of of stud. This is a guy that I think the ceiling is probably in that, you know, QB 10 to QB 14 range, probably. Ceiling. So, yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting. This is going to be a big year under the new structure to see what they do offensively and what they do personnel wise. You know, do they bring somebody in to compliment Waddle? Do they put a lot of their resources into the run game? It'll be
1: interesting to watch for Tua. Yeah, I mean he is. I mean he's a good. He's a really good super flex QB. He's not someone you're pounding the table for in single QB leagues, but you know, you know, as your second QB in super flex leagues or as your QB three, like he's going to bring safety. He's you know he's going to protect the football you know to an extent, and he's not going to get you the negatives, especially if you're playing in a you know in a heavy negative league scoring. He just doesn't have the upside that we want Yep,
0: on the flip, hurts. Yeah. On the flip side, Hertz has a ton of upside, but the underlying stuff isn't quite as pretty. I mean, I, the legs are there and the floor is there and he gives you a rushing floor. Uh, as a passer, the underlying stuff isn't, is pretty. It's not all bad. Don't get me wrong, but it's, it's not quite as pretty And hurts. I think is a little bit more volatile of an asset talking about him like stocks it's a little more volatile volatile of an asset where the upside is definitely more but you know he is a guy that they could decide to especially without the draft capital and everything there that they could decide to to move on from
1: what the That's eagles somewhere. do in the first round is going to be very telling with i think how they view hertz Hurts, I know getting, I know the Eagles had a very soft second half of the schedule to get to the playoffs. Getting to the playoffs is still very difficult to do. It's not like, you know, the Eagles have a great team. Also, they have three first round picks, and they have Hertz at least has the ability to get them to this. You know, to, to get him to this plateau. The way that Lamar Jackson did, where it, at times it doesn't look pretty, but he gets it done. He find way, he finds ways to extend drives and score touchdowns. You just hope that the efficiency can go up. You know, he was a seventh in money throws. So there's definitely, you know, there's definitely things to build around. Obviously top uh, five in danger plays, you know, interceptable, interceptable passes. passes yeah. dude's taking shots. What we want to see, right? And his
0: receivers are getting open though, too. And, you know, they were seventh and target separation, but you still, you know those completion percentages being bottom half of the league is not not what you want to see, and that's the difference. He's still,
1: yeah, like he he obviously needs to improve, but what the Eagles do will at least kind of help calm the nerves of of Hurst Dynasty. You know, people like myself who has a lot of them, and you know, to kind of get a sense of if if he is of that three to five year plus window or. If he's gone in a couple of years, or if he does get traded, I mean, you know, the Eagles are still heavily involved in trade rumors, Wilson and Watson. So, yeah, we'll see. I think either way, I think Hurst is at least started for two more years. Mm-hmm. I think Eagles will at least, or whatever team will at least want to want him to play out his rookie deal. And
0: they have so many holes to fill that there's no. It reason makes yeah. That. So. Yep. I mean, with draft capital and everything else, you need wide receivers. You need a lot. You got an aging O line and Jason Kelsey talking retirement. Um, you know, the defense are performed, but you got to get some hitters there. I mean, the Eagles need help. And they don't have They need all- a lot. Yeah. Uh, other quarterbacks in this draft class Jordan Love, most surprising, uh, going in <laughs> round one.
1: Maybe he'll start this year. Uh, I mean, it
0: sounds like they're trying to go all in to bring Rodgers back.
1: Yeah, there's been conflicting reports. People, you know, there was a report not too long ago saying that players on the team have known for a while that Rodgers isn't coming back, blah, blah, this, blah, blah, that. It's going to be a very interesting offseason. Yes. I think, I think it's going to be fun. Yes, it's going it to be, is.
0: But, you know, the fact of this one is that you are now, it's 20... You're two years in, and you got nothing, no value whatsoever out of that first round pick.
1: And, and he's not even worth the first now. So, like, even if they were to try to move him, no. I don't think there's a team, and then a foot that would trade a first round pick for him. I don't think
0: no. there's either. Not, not a sample size there. Your other guys, Jacob Eason, was a guy that you know we didn't expect to start, but if there was gonna be a surprise, we had kind of pegged him for that. Um, He's. Had some cracks and some daylights of opportunity that he's not been able to take advantage of. Jake Fromm, uh, fifth round pick, got a start that was absolutely god awful. Oh, then, God, it was rough. Uh, Jake Richard, McDonald and Ben DiNucci. Ben DiNucci backing up for Dallas also has not had a great go of things there. So, I mean, real, you know, the guys we expected to, this class was pretty cut and dry. The guys that we expected to be good were good. Um, the guys that we didn't expect to be good weren't, so that's the quarterback side of it. Yep. All right, running back side of this. Um, I will go through this in order of of drafts, so we'll start up at the top here. Uh, okay. Clyde Edwards-Alaire going in the first round, and then your second rounders are Cam Akers, Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift and J.K. Dobbins and A.J. Dillon. So a lot of second round backs here. Um, but your first rounder in Edwards Alaire um, hasn't really managed to get it done. We've seen Darrell Williams produce here. We've seen Derek Gore produce here. Saw Jarek McKinnon look uh, like shades of his old self in the playoffs. And Edwards Alaire has just not been able to, you know, parlay that into much of anything the first couple of years.
1: Oof. But. He's still going to be a part of this offense. I know draft capital may not matter three years into your year, but he's still a part of the original team that took him. He's still going to be a part of this offense. He's honestly going to be kind of where Josh Jacobs was. Not to that extent, cause Jacobs is still going to be taken higher during his third year, but I think people are overvaluing. I think they're overextending on just how much he won't lose going into next season. And we know the Chiefs are not going to spend another day one or day two pick on a running back. At least I hope not. Well, with the amount of issues they have,
0: he'll be there. But I think what they've shown is they don't have to do that either because the the just the guys that you're bringing in, Derek McKinnon, two years removed from playing meaningful football, you know, Daryl Williams and Derek Gore, looking better than Mc, than Alaire in this offense is. Yeah, it's telling right. I'm not
1: saying you're going out there and spending a top three draft pick. I right. think I think he's going to end up as a fifth or sixth round pick. I think so too. And there's going to be upside, you know, to those, you know, to those rounds where you can stomach, you know, maybe the risk you're taking. Yep. with it's, your RB three like or RB four RB4. That was last year. Yeah, it's it's the same concept. He, it's not like he hasn't not been productive ever. It's, no, just, it's just, for it's, whatever it's worth, the Chiefs just don't like using them. And...
0: He's never been able to string it together consistently either. Yeah, it, it's There's productive game. I mean, he had two game, just two games over 100 scrimmage yards and one multi-touchdown game this year. It's not what you want to see, but yeah. those games yep. are still happening. It's just he's never been able to string it together consistently in this offense or looked as good as he should have been able to look in this offense. He's not a guy you're trading for, and he is a guy that if he hits this year— um, nearing the end of his first contract with consistency problems, this is uh, one where you're you're watching those ads, you're looking for a sale. But you're you know that seller.
1: Yeah, and and he, everyone feels this way, but again, everyone's got different values and how they view them. So as soon as Solaire has let's you know, he starts the season probably as a starter. They're gonna have a whole crew of new backups. And he streams off two or three games in a row on there yep. uh, unless you're a championship team then you want to hold on to the the depth but yep at this point
0: uh yeah next two guys though kind of a different story I think they've been mostly what you'd hope they'd be I think Jonathan Taylor's been like everything and more that you could hope for out of him and I think DeAndre Swift has been you know kind of as advertised when he landed in Detroit you knew that he's talented you knew that um being in Detroit would present some unique challenges.
1: You gotta love Swift now, right? So, you know Swift and ETM playing on on bad teams that are gonna be playing from behind with the pass catching skill set that they have. Yeah, and especially with Swift, who's already proven to be utilized in this offense, not much is gonna change. They'll, they'll they'll definitely add talent, but they even with them winning only you know just a couple games, they even played above their own level. They did, and. You can't expect to see much more wins. You're going to expect to see the same amount of playing from behind, if not more. As long as Swift can stay healthy, which has been his biggest concern, is his durability. Yeah. He is a top. He's got top three upside. He was, just because, because of the target volume.
0: He was very consistent before he got hurt, too. And that's that's what you want to see. And then Jonathan Taylor's been otherworldly. I mean, is Derek Henry, a big man, comes back from a foot injury, that is Jonathan Taylor pretty much is new Derrick Henry.
1: He is he is in most people's minds a dynasty RB one, which he should he should be. And, and you know there'll be arguments, and if you take him in the first round or not first round, first pick overall in redraft leagues, I'm not. But that's because I you know I want my pass catching upside. But
0: and he does in terms of dynasty, lot, but... Taylor
1: is easily 101. Yeah, maybe at least RB one. Maybe not 101, but definitely RB one.
0: Next two guys kind of offset by injuries. Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, Akers had the Achilles injury, came back in a remarkable amount of time and still looked ineffective. Uh, I've never liked Cam Akers, so I have to kind of abstain a little here. I thought that he was fool's gold. And, you know, he had some big games last season and then spent this season hurt. Struggled getting back on the field. I think the jury's very, very much still out on that, and he's almost got to be a hold.
1: I mean, you're not doing anything with them. I mean, thankfully, it sounds like the uh, the value heatness has kind of cooled off. I know on the fan or on the uh, user, you know, on that KTC site that's all user driven, you know, based on their ADP has kind of cooled down a lot. So the community as a whole is kind of, you know, calmed, which has helped, but he's one of the few backs that's going to command the amount of opportunity share. Just, you know, coming off of right, coming off of right after his Achilles injuries already impressive. He'll be polarizing just because of that you know, he's going to be overdrafted in probably every league because there'll be one guy who wants to take that risk. And I understand. I mean, he's still tethered to a top five offense and he's already part of a team that's more than willing to give him the majority of the running back touches, which is ultimately what we want in redraft, right? Volume is keen.
0: It is. And they're another one that it's going to be interesting to see what they do with, you know, Michelle becoming a free agent. And then I think Daryl Henderson also,
1: no, he's got one more year. One more he's one into his fourth year.
0: Got it. So it'll be interesting to see what they do to to sub- supplement this backfield, though.
1: Yep, yep. No, I agree.
0: J.K. Dobbins. Uh, J.K. Dobbins has been hurt. We haven't really gotten to see J.K. Dobbins.
1: It's been so like I know that I liked him more, but and I love him in this offense. Butcher, right, you and I have talked about this. I, I we talked about it a lot last week or or maybe two weeks ago. Um we did. The unknown you know of the Ravens backfield. It's you know, you can make a case for both Dobbins and Edwards and their value and what that truly looks like. Oh we got into um, it when
0: we talked about Justice Hill from Yeah, Justice Hill. Yeah. So the nineteenth yeah, class last week. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I depends where Dobbins his uh his ADP ends up in redraft. He's he, he doesn't catch passes, all right. It's 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 kind of like Nick Chubb. Well, he doesn't do
0: anything because he hasn't been able. To yeah, he hasn't field.
1: been healthy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got a lot of rushing. Like he's got the rushing yards upside just because he's tethered to a great rushing offense. But he also doesn't catch passes. So I mean, how much of a value do you want to put into him? On top of coming back from this injury, and on top of of Gus Edwards also returning. Right.
0: Yeah. Hey, I mean, I, it's tough. He seems to me like it, it is a a lottery ticket, but you're going to have to kick the tires and see what the current asking price is for Dickie Dobbins. You know, the owner could be sick, owner, manager could be sick of it. Corrected myself. Thank you. That's one of those things that we're trying to work on, not using buy, sell, owner. It's been ingrained in what we've done for 300 episodes, so we're going to slip up every now and again.
1: Yeah, we're trying to... Uh, we're trying to be mindful of it. Yeah, But uh, J.K. Dobbins
0: is, you know, recency bias being what it is, right? You might be able to to get a high upside player for close to or next to nothing, especially depending on what the Ravens do in the offseason and the draft, um, which I'd imagine is nothing given the lot of people that they have there. Um, yeah. So, you know, people are going to be scared off by the fact that that backfield is going to be crowded. Don't forget, you've got uh, Tyson Williams, too. Yeah, I mean, uh,
1: it is very. Add, he got but... he, he got supplanted by two old, you know, two. old Well, backs. well, well, o- over the hill running backs, including like Le'Veon Bell and shit like right. They, they did him dirty. He deserved better. But <laughs> I
0: thought he went on air,
1: too. But anyway. Yeah, sorry. It's gonna be right. crowded.
0: So yeah, it will be. Y- you probably can get discount J. K. Dobbins and it's still a high it's still a high upside player. So just be mindful of that and be aware of that. And you know, if you're a rebuilding team that's that's after backs and maybe you got a surplus of picks, I mean look, JK Dobbins to me is just as good as a you know, probably any back you're gonna get towards the back of the second right now. It's just as much of a chance of hitting so yeah he's
1: yeah. definitely he would he's 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 definitely worth the risk talking about second and trying to, second
0: rookie draft. by the way not
1: yo, no no starters. god he'll be i think after the top two i mean yeah. right now it's rumblings of, of who the top two backs are in this draft dobbins is easily i'll let you know to, easily be part of that I'll let you know week. and we'll t- <laughs> talk about that when it happens yeah
0: i don't couldn't tell you right now um Antonio Gibson, AJ Dillon. Gibson obviously has cemented himself as a starter in uh, Washington for the Commanders. That's gonna take some getting used to. It and will. Then AJ Dillon has been splitting with Aaron Jones.
1: I wonder what what Green Bay is gonna do with Jones. Jones just got paid, and if if Rodgers does leave, I think that's gonna potentially lead to a more run focus grind them down maybe the old you know thunder and lightning i i still like dylan he's been successful in this you know with this offense if rogers leave obviously scoring upside will go down but i mean he's perfect fit for the elements there and if they decide to go run heavy i mean this guy it's, he is your young derrick henry
0: yeah um uh- as far and he could be i mean henry was a later breakout right because he was constantly in split backfields that is something to keep in mind with dylan is if he doesn't put a lot of wear and tear on himself but proves valuable in kind of that split role he'll eventually get a shot on the right team um antonio gibson i think you could make an argument for he's the running i don't think it's much of an argument actually he's the th- third best running back out of this class, behind Swift and and Taylor.
1: Yeah, you can definitely make that argument. Just like with you know with you know with Swift and now with Acres and Dobbins, his durability. You know, can Gibson. You know, continue to hold up. You know, multiple injuries in his first two seasons It's caused him to miss some games. He's, um, he's, I'm not that concerned because he's been he's up. Get...
0: He has missed two games, both from a toe sprain. In 2020, you
1: know, but it's again running backs are a crapshoot, especially in redraft. So you're just hoping to hit, they're going for ceiling. You know, if half these guys are going to get hurt, you better start reaching for the upside picks. And Gibson, who has a three down skill set and a size that he should be able to handle it, and
0: the underlying metrics are good yards per route run is top 15, eighth and breakaway runs, evaded tackles, and juke rate. He's you know, fifth in evaded tackles, 17th and juke rate, um, creating for yourself and the things that you want to see are absolutely there. The catch rate's good. Fantasy points per game's up there. He's been very consistent. He gets touchdown and goal line work. You know, he doesn't have the, the name cachet, if you will, that you're getting out of Swift and Jonathan Taylor. But I, I mean, from a productivity standpoint and an outlook standpoint, he's right up there with Swift. I, I think that they're, if you were to tear off this draft class they were right there together
1: yeah i mean and, and, and like even during the process I mean, I mean gibson was always talked about as that like if you're going for your home run pick it's got to be gibson you know six foot one over 225 pounds he's six six foot 228 excuse me and you know with his receiving upside that he got from memphis it's or, or when he played at memphis in college. I mean, it, it like it was always there. It was whether or not he could actually, you know, become an every down back. And he, it's honest, he can survive. I guess J. D. McKissick, who, you know, who, who for some reason keeps you know commanding targets. It's uh Gibson. It has top three to five running back upside. Like he's that good. Like as a whole, not just in its class, but as a whole. I and mean, that's that's been his upside since. You know, since year two, since his pass off season, after he showed us that in his rookie season. Sure.
0: All right, other guys, I think this next year is pretty well termed the we thought and you know, these two are they're heavily debated on this show too. <laughs> Not by us necessarily.
1: Oh love my miss ball to But
0: they're kinda going on. Different directions in Keyshawn Vaughn and Zach Moss, where Zach Moss got relegated behind Devin Singletary at a healthy scratch and and bench duty, and the team seemingly lost faith in him. Uh, with Fournette out during the stretch run, Keyshawn Vaughn got he's he's got a, some play. He looked decent. He looked good. Fournette's a free agent.
1: Vaughn, it's got to be someone you're trying to. Just throwing your deals, right? He he's probably been dropped in some leagues. Look, we liked him coming out. Like he's got an every down skill set, and you know he you know he plays for a notoriously hated you know rookie of rookies. You know you know with Bruce Arians as his head coach, is a championship roster. He got off he got off to a slow start. I, I think he also got COVID. he, you know, he would just put behind and when you have a team who won a super bowl is vying to get another one in this past season Von just got you know he just got you know put out the pasture you know for those times and he might be that that late round or that late career not late career but that you know a little later into the rookie career you know to break out and if Tampa Bay can go out there and give himself a quarterback to make this offense just as good as it was this past season, I mean, it's... Yeah. He's got scoring upside, and, and he's also a pretty good pass catcher.
0: And the running back room could clear out, too, with Fournette and, uh, and Ronald Jones both being <sighs> ticketed for free agency, so... I'll
1: have to keep looked a little harder in, in, into the salary cap, but it's... I don't see either of them coming back. I think Fournette might just command more, especially with Brady gone. I think it might I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks just clean shop with some other.
0: Fournette's gonna command a role wherever he lands <laughs> because he was great in that offense. but maybe, maybe he does, but yeah,
1: I'm getting a beer. Beer back. Okay. Um,
0: as much as I want to wait for Dan to get back to to go through this last group, we'll go ahead and go through this last group because there's not a lot to talk about to here to talk about here. Darrington Evans uh, back up in Tennessee still on the roster. Hasn't really shown a whole lot. Joshua Kelly flashed a bit with uh, LA to begin his career and then really fell off. Same. Michael P Ryan is kind of the only guy with the jets, Anthony McFarland, DJ Dallas, Jason, Jason Huntley, Eno Benjamin Raymond Calais and Malcolm Perry, um, have all not produced. So, Basically anything below that Keyshawn Mon, Zach Moss uh, pick has not done anything and I think you can pretty Well much we got work. one
1: running back we can maybe talk about. Uh James Robinson. James Robinson, yeah. maybe. Yeah. I mean he it, he got he got Philip He
0: has been Philip.
1: It, it's I think he's better than Lindsay, but We'll see what what Doug Peterson wants to do with this with his double backfield.
0: We saw in Philly where he will use more than one back. It's very possible Robinson and ETN both have roles.
1: I mean I I think that's the ultimate hope is that I think it is too. Is that ETN will obviously be the more valuable fantasy asset because he will be their pass catching back. But Robinson can easily carve out Potentially 150 plus carries, and if something were to happen uh, to ETN again, Robinson is one of the more valuable handcuffs. That still has, you know, his own standalone value. Right. And you do not trade him in dynasty. You hold them now. Hold them right now. Um, he's elite backup. Yeah. All right. Wide receivers.
0: These are all over the place, actually. Hold on.
1: (laughs) Beer review.
0: Thank God we don't have to talk about this tight end class at all.
1: (laughs) I know. That would be a very easy gloss over.
0: Uh, You're on your second beer, so obviously it was good.
1: I'm on my third beer.
0: So obviously, it was so good. I pour,
1: uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's so, again, I'm drinking Montucky's uh, cold snack. This is the unofficial beer of Montana. This is their, uh, this is their lager. Uh, a little bit on the sweeter side. Uh, I like do the malts that are being used, but it's so, it's still a little bit biscuity, not very toasty, but it's sweet. It's got a nice little, uh, you know, clean finish, clean taste to it. It's one of, I, I, I actually thoroughly enjoy it. Um, and especially for a beer that, that comes in 16 or a 16 or a six pack, a 16 ounce can. So you're getting a, already a, a good value if you're able to find this and pick it up. Uh, what is a really clean, easy drinking light? It's got a, you know, a, a sweeter, uh, biscuity taste to it. Obviously, the head wise, it's you know it, it finishes with a you know a quarter centimeter of, of white head there, but it's uh, easily drinkable. And if you like the style, if you like lagers, as most of us do now, because we're fucking done with heavily adjunct beers. Yep. It's uh, if you can find it, i I highly recommend highly recommend picking it up. It's a good choice.
0: All right. And I am drinking Urban Chestnut's Thrails. This is a, uh, this actually came in a four pack I got at the firm Christmas party from my homebrew club. This is Russian Imperial nice. Stout. Um, it drinks like a Russian Imperial Stout. Look, I love Urban Chestnut's lagers and Weiss beers and, and everything. And Brent Teller, who works for them, really cool guy. But, yeah, this one. <laughs> It's roasting. It's got a little bit of chocolate to it. The alcohol is present in it, but it's warming, not harsh. Uh, medium body, not super thick. not Medium heavy body, I guess. Not super thick, not overly syrupy or cooling or anything like that. Um, kind of a long finish that lingers. It's just a nice, you know, subtle coffee, chocolate, roasted notes. It's exactly what I'd expect from a UCBC beer, which is a, a very good representation of the style very very solid, you know doesn't knock your socks off necessarily, but just a, a great classic representation.
1: So, solid job, Urban Chestnut. I absolutely love. You go to the RIS, and I'm glad uh I'm glad more places are putting them out there. I'm also starting to see a lot more dark loggers. I know it's Dude, that time of year and start uh, seeing Dunkles and stubborn German. Oh, I love them so much. Has the Bohemian Pills. That's dark. Ooh, Everybody see, I'm not like a huge. See, I, I, I have uh, a love hate relationship with Beam and Pilsners, but it's you incredible. know, dark version might be might be it's interesting. Next B&B time B&B I'm does. in Waterloo, maybe it is a lager.
0: It's incredible. I'll tell you that much. Maybe good. next
1: time I'm out in the Waterloo area, I'll, after they're open, because yeah. <laughs> I've I've missed them the last two times. Injured day there. Injury there. Injured in yeah,
0: there. it's delicious. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Wide receiver class. The NFL is all over the freaking place on this one, to say the least. We were uh, less all over the place, actually. We I think we're better than the NFL in this on this class.
1: I think most people were, and again, this is the Alabama tax that we jokingly talk about. It's very much real though. Teams just they'll pay extra. No, for Bama players, regardless of what the profile will tell you, they will pay extra for Bama players.
0: Yeah, ranking it, I had... Uh, Rager was actually stupid high.
1: That's he was my two. I, I will on. not hide behind the fact that I got Rager on, but I also had Jefferson right below him. Jeff- so I was like the
0: Eagles. Yeah, Jefferson's there. It was Judy, Lamb, Jefferson up the top, then Rager, Mims, Chenault, At Higgins and Pittman that I missed on. And so what I did there... I can tell you what I did there is I valued the upside of those three over the floor of the next two is what happened there. So I valued upside a little much and Rager, Mims, Chanel and not and floor, not enough and Higgins and Pittman.
1: I mean, it, it, it's
0: yeah. An adjustment. It was just a way that I evaluated. value. That's who you are. I mean,
1: you've more, always valued floor a little bit more than upside. So I know
0: it's so I had them reversed here though. I was valuing upside more than floor.
1: Weirdly. Weirdly. Yeah. Well, I mean,
0: you know. I think I might have overcorrected a little bit.
1: I mean, I mean, you take those risks. It's
0: just a process review, right? That's why you go look back. Uh, Henry Ruggs is in jail for killing people. So, now I really need to do a lot of analysis on that.
1: He's, he's probably not coming back.
0: Uh, Jerry Judy was the second receiver off the board. Um, so... Yeah, we'll do this the same way. We'll look at the first round. So you had Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, Jalen Rager, Justin Jefferson, and Brandon Ayuk all went in the first round. Ruggs is in jail. He's the first receiver off the board. Jerry Judy has underwhelmed
1: the first two years,
0: to say at least, by a lot.
1: By a lot, I think, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was easily, e- easily propped up as to be the next between him and Ruggs. Lamb was in the same boat, but it was a lot. It was always between Lamb and Judy for most people, one and two. And maybe Judy, you know, on a different team, mm-hmm. less weapons, or you know, not less weapons, but less uh, uh, target competition. And he stays healthy and a little more accurate quarterback. Who knows? But
0: the target competitions have really neutered <laughs> that. And I think a lot of people were excited when Teddy got there. And you did get to see some of that. But then Judy got hurt and then yeah, it just nobody was really getting peppered there with a ton of target volume and you know, even with Drew Locke year before, I mean, Judy had his own problems. It wasn't all locked. Judy had his own problems
1: adjusting. So you know, you're absolutely right. But uh I I mean I think he still has a chance to be a good number two. I think he I think he definitely still has uh fantasy upside regardless of where the quarterback is. The dude does route running extremely well. Yeah. He's a great separator. Number one this year in target separation. You got to get yourself a little bit more, you know, aggressive quarterback who wants to push it to him. And, you know, quarterback change here. He does fit well for rookie QBs because he does get open. Which is going to happen now. So go make some offers for Jerry Judy before that happens.
0: Because, yeah, when whoever by trade ends up in Denver.
1: We say that. I'm going to pull up. You keep talking. I'm going to pull up DLF and see what uh, current trades have been made for Judy. Gotcha.
0: Because whatever quarterback ends up in Denver is going to skyrocket Jerry Judy's value. Now it's going to do the same for Cortland Sutton and probably Tim Patrick who just got signed to long-term deals too. There is competition there. Don't get me wrong, but you just went offense in the head. You just went offensive for your head coach. You're going to find ways to spread targets a little bit more. Hopefully get the ball to these guys a little bit more. So Judy is a, a buy low or an acquire low uh, type of receiver for me.
1: All right. Here's some, de- or, um, here's some recent deals. Trying to look for one that. Uh, so Judy and a... F- 23 fifth round pick for uh looks like three 22 or three second round picks between this year and next year. Here's one for you. Jerry Judy for Gabriel Davis and a 22 third round pick. It's a pretty solid trade actually. And then we have right below a Jerry Judy for a 22 first round pick. Depending on where that first round lies, and I, I depends, don't
0: depends know. on the first round. So Gabe Davis, because we don't, there's a lot with the picks that we don't know, like yeah. where they're yep. at. I so let's use Gabe Davis in that third rounder as the measuring stick here. I like that one. You're not far enough removed from the draft capital to say definitively that Gabe Davis has surpassed Jerry Judy in value. Jerry Judy still had the higher draft capital. He was still the more highly regarded prospect. As much as they like Gabe Davis, that third rounder is basically a nothing burger, right? I mean, you can hit it's in a throwing round, piece, but it's a throwing piece at that point. That third rounder is going to be who's the late running back that landed in a good opportunity, or wide receiver that landed in a good, op- or that you you know liked and nobody else did, or you know, maybe you're going for a tight end or a quarterback there in single keeping. But it's essentially a throwing piece. um, To acknowledge the fact that Judy was the more well-regarded prospect in only two years in, but Gabe Davis, you know, with no Manny Sanders and no, I think think Smokey John Brown was there at one point, but no Manny Sanders being the biggest one.
1: He was. He he was there first year.
0: Davis uh, stands to see a bigger role, stands to be more involved. Had a huge blow up game in the playoffs, and you know when we sit and do this class next year, we could very easily be talking about Gabe Davis as a you know higher valued piece than what Jerry Judy is if you get another dud season out of him. But right now he's not, so I I really like I like that value um, on both sides
1: for that trade. I don't know if I want to aim for Judy if I'm trying to move Davis, no, but, but, I, but I'm always trying to maximize. That's why Davis in a one-for-one, one, this is essentially a one-for-one one deal. You have Judy, just like you said, he's coming off of kind of disappointing seasons. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. But if you still um, believe the Broncos, in him, that's a yeah, lot you to, pay, to, play, him, that's, to You're right. You're right. And you're getting a third on top of it, right? I, right. For whatever that's worth, you're still getting another draft pick that could turn into – you know, a lottery pick or help move for another player in a different trade. But
0: now, let's be clear: I love Gabe Davis. I'm not making that trade. I'm heavily on the Gabe. I, I'm sticking with Gabe Davis in that scenario. But I
1: just want to name for Judy. Yeah, I don't particularly love the upside because he's now he's still. I mean, we just saw as you mentioned not too long ago, Son and Patrick both get resigned. That that does kind of tell you how Denver views their receiving core. <laughs> And whether or not Judy, and then we all seven when we do talk about KJ Hamler, how they yeah. view about them. There's still a lot of weapons here, and there's no certainty for quarterback future. Or, Davis has his quarterback future or pass volume, given the fact that this defense that too. is still pretty
0: decent. So
1: yeah, yeah, I, I I have my own reserves on Davis. I'm not aiming for Judy. I want. I'm going fucking higher. Yeah. Me, like even in a one. That's why I will easily tack on a first round, second round pick if I had Davis and goal for the upper echelon receivers. I'm not stopping for Judy. There's just, it's almost like a side trade. Essentially. You, you know, you're trading one upside, you know, player, you know, for a player who's downtrending. It doesn't make sense to me. All right. Like, even if you believe in Judy, sorry. No, you're
0: good. Now we're just going to move on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Dan. CD lamb. Well, it's a deep draft. It's a deep receiver class. A deep. There's a lot to get you to here. So, CD Lamb, Um CD Lamb. I can say this because I've done the analysis on both guys and the deep dive on both guys. He's real close to T. Higgins, and they were a full round, round plus, round and a half apart in this draft. And their careers so far have not been that far separated, and their underlying metrics are not that much different. Um. That being said, C.D. Lamb's on an offense that is going to throw six hundred plus times, and is on an offense where Amari Cooper figures to be on his way out of town, and Michael Gallup's a free agent to where he could easily be <sighs> the top target here. Um, and, they,
1: and they can't afford Dalton Schultz because this is a this is a team that's bottom three in cap space and salary cap right now.
0: Right. So, I mean, he could easily be the top guy here by the time it's all said and done. Um, you know, I I like said Wilson uh I think that he is a guy that we talked about him a couple episodes ago as a guy that you want to target here is you know kind of the new two I mean CD Lamb is going to be the new one and I think that there's more upside to come out of CD Lamb uh you got a solid freshman solid sophomore year I think the breakout comes in year three for him um where he really goes next level on a high volume pass offense team it's all going to be volume based because the underlying I, yeah. metrics don't really point to anything super
1: sexy. It's just volume, and they throw a lot. I do love the fact that both Cooper and Gallup and Schultz could all be gone. I don't see them losing L three, and if they do, I then I see them well, draft in think... a wide receiver in the first two rounds or or in the first two days of the draft. Um, get, this is still they, they, that, could,
0: they could sign someone too. I mean, they
1: could sign someone the too. The thing yeah. with
0: this, I'm with you because um i just don't know that it's going to be any of the three guys that are walking it could if it is it's probably schultz because i think
1: think schultz is definitely gone i I think that one we can write in. well that's just it i
0: think they're ready to move on from cooper and i think gallup might demand a little
1: more than what they're willing to pay him so it's going to be very interesting
0: drafting somebody
1: I think they're better off looking for veterans. If they, I think the, if I'm then I'm trying to retain Gallup. I'm letting Cooper walk age-wise. It's all age. And you let Schultz walk because you have Darwin, because you have Blake Jarwin, who may not be on the same level from a receiving standpoint, but he's going to cost significantly less. You want to keep, I think if you're, if you're Dallas, you want to keep Gallup, you can keep, you know, Wilson. Lamb has been, a, you know, he was a heavily used slot receiver and, you know, in his rookie season. Obviously that came off a bit in the second year, we got to see the drop off in his yards after the catch. Um, and you just hope that if Dallas can already be healthy, including him, that he can reach up to where he was, but he's still a waster so already getting a bump up just because of the team he plays for. And that is very much real. He, he is still a very accomplished already. He's not Justin Jefferson levels accomplished in this class, but he's still up there he's still probably the second best receiver in this class that's performed so well. And he's still heavily valued. I mean, right now DLF has him as, you know, his ADP is five and a half. Like sure. he's, he's still floating. He's even floating that cell, like even coming off of what some may consider a disappointing second year coming off of a strong rookie season. He has
0: not fallen off that far.
1: He hasn't fallen off that far. I mean, I'm bringing this straight up. You talk about T Higgins, right? Yeah. First trade. I see on DLF in recent trades, CD lamb for T Higgins and a, f- and a 23 first round pick. I would break my fucking phone or computer slam and accept if I can get Higgins and a first for lamb.
0: For oh, lamb. Yeah, I would too. Because, like I said... I love Lamb. Fuck! They ain't that far apart. The biggest difference is that Lamb might not be playing second fiddle to somebody, whereas Higgins is going to be at least a 1B, but you throw that first in there, yep, 100%.
1: I mean, all day. I don't even have to think about it. It's only because I want the 23... I want the lottery tickets. I want my chance at these backs. This was a bit more interesting here. This is a 2-for-1. So, a CD Lamb for... A twenty second first in Elijah Mitchell. I'm I mean obviously different positions, but it, it's still a conversation to have. You have a Dep- weaker class. Depends on where the first is. I don't know if that matters to me. It, it does I'm Yeah, okay. It, it, there's also a six strong pick in the twenty three class, but I don't care. It, don't care it doesn't say that. if it's uh, super flex or not. Elijah
0: but, Mitchell's inconsequential to me as a non draft <sighs> capital. You know, flashback. We haven't seen the same back produce in San Francisco multiple years in a row in—I don't know how long. So, yeah,
1: I would make this trade if I can get Lamb. I have no problem oh, yeah. giving up a twenty-two. I, on, I don't know how many receivers I would want from Lamb this class side. ahead of Lamb. Right?
0: I don't know. I haven't. Yeah, I've looked at stats. I haven't watched (laughs) watched them. So damn it, I can tell you. But either way, profiles like I would want them more than C.D. Lamb. But and there might be two or three guys there. But I gotta watch it first.
1: I will say, as someone who's who's who is not as much more, but there's not maybe Burks, and that's probably it. Sure, maybe Wilson. Those two will similarly have the same draft capital, but. It's just interesting and, and like and this spells to where Lamb's value is, right. Someone traded Lamb for Higgins in a you know twenty three first and someone got Lamb for a twenty two first and elijah mitchell i mean it it's mm-hmm. it pays to throw these guys out on there, and Lamb is so a very polarizing player because of that. Sure. I just wanted to bring that up because I thought that was very interesting.
0: Speaking of polarizing, uh two guys that went back to back, Jalen Rager, we're done this doesn't require a <laughs> lot of discussion. No, he's no Jalen Rager, we're done with him and Justin Jefferson's probably the dynasty wide receiver one. And
1: it's one or two. It's one it, it just depends how you feel about Chase. Chase. So they're in the same tier. I I prefer Chase because of who he's tethered to it, you know, a quarterback, but it's literally splitting hairs. Yep. You want both. If you can get one, get one.
0: Yeah, I don't think you're gonna get both. If you do, good god. Um It'd be pain a lot. Yeah. But not a lot of discussion needed there. Brandon Ayuk at the back end of the first. This is a pick that I hated at the time. I did not think you should have went ahead of Higgins, Pittman, even Chenault at this point. And while Ayuk has definitely flashed some productivity, he has not produced better than, you know, T Higgins or or Michael Pittman. Even he probably should have been, you know, my guess would have been, man, look at some other guys that went here. He would have fit second round in this class. He should not have been a first round
1: pick. No, 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 but I definitely, I think it's, it's you know, like, if you look back at what the Niners have done and what Kyle Shanahan wants from his receivers, I'm actually not shocked by this pick because he pairs very well with Kittle and Samuel and he, and he definitely fits to the offense that, that, that Kyle Shanahan wants to run.
0: He's a hold. I mean, he's been just fine. I think a lot of people have wanted more upside out of Ayuk, um, and didn't get it. And because of that, I just I think that
1: Ayuk is a hold going into year three. I'm gonna give you a either or. Okay, these guys are 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 they're back to back. One guy you absolutely love from this past class. Okay, it's, and then obviously Ayuk. Is not Brandon Ayuk?
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Go, Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Brandon Ayuk. They're 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 back to back in DLF ADP ranks.
0: Probably give the edge to St. Brown just because of of how it was utilized today as we're recording this episode, February seventeenth, twenty twenty two. I give the edge to St. Brown. He is right now the guy in the Detroit wide receiver room. Yeah, he. Heavily utilized, heavily targeted. They're different types of players. He doesn't quite have the expl does not have Ayuk's chunk playability or explosiveness, but he's a good yak guy, um, a good middle of the field guy that I think pairs up nicely with Jared Goff's skill set. So, you know, given what he showed in year one versus what Ayuk did in year three, in year let's see, twenty twenty two, two, um, <laughs> I've. I'm Saint Brown by, it's more than a hair, but it's not by a wide margin.
1: See, I think it's, I think it kind of is a wide margin. I think it is same Brown, but I don't know why it's, why it depends on wide you want to get. He's, I think it's more than just a couple spots. Saint Brown had, had that incredible strategy in the year. You're not going to see a change in quarterback. Goff. Really loves and favors his slot receiver. Both of them have similar concerns for long-term value in terms of what the what the acquisition will be cost, what it'll be cost to acquire him in two to three years, because Goff's not the QB future for Detroit. But we're looking at it with these guys for in a one or two year lens, right? You have right to. N- right because now, and Brown is easily yeah miles ahead. I don't ca- like. I, I do have my concerns, but he's come down because it's been you know months removed since his blow-up. up right. month or two removed. A since lot his happens when
0: you, your team doesn't make the playoffs. And yeah, you're just focused and, on the team's yeah.
1: And I, you also done it in the playoffs himself. You so it, it, that's the risk that you have to take with them. He's going to have games where a Debo is going to be utilized more. You know, he you has know, a runner. A kid will... Do what you know he does in those games, and Ayuk's a guy that maybe he gets the eight targets for you know six catches. It Trey Lance is going to change this offense, sure, but you know that the passing volume is coming down. Sam Brown doesn't have competition right now. Today, February seventeenth, twenty twenty-two. Sam Brown's competition is basically just Hawkinson right. and Swift. Ayuk is a quarterback change, less passing volume. Samuel Kittle. Yep. So I think it's St. Brown. Well, well ahead. I won't argue with that, obviously. <laughs> um, For the few times that we don't have to argue about St. Brown.
0: Yeah. T Higgins has been very, very good. T Higgins should have been a first round pick. I think that there's, there should have went to Kansas
1: city. Like it, no it still pisses there. me off that he didn't, but
0: he's been very, very good. He is. <sighs> I think the knocks right now on T. Higgins are that he is gonna play second fiddle to Jamar Chase, or at least one A, one B. So he's not gonna get, you know, hella target volume. The good news is is that since he should be throwing a good amount, um he's we talked about he's right there with, with C D Lamb in terms of value. He's still valued a little bit below him, but as far as you know, the type of player, the style of player and the floor and what their underlying metrics say, they're pretty damn near the same.
1: Higgins will, will forever and always be a beast. Like he may, he may get a l- little less target volume, you know, than chase. So chase has the explosive upside ability that Higgins just, unfortunately, that no one really can match outside of Jefferson and, Tyree Hill has the, and Debo Samuel has the explosive upside that, you know, that Chase has. Higgins is still in the perfect role for it. And what's to say Higgins in two years doesn't decide that he wants to stick and play second fiddle to his boy Chase? Maybe he wants to go out there and command that top dollar. We know that Higgins can perform as number one, he did it his rookie season. So, I, I mean, Higgins, his value is high, but he's still spots. I mean, again, we just saw CD Lamb get traded for him in a first. If I can get that for CD Lamb, I'm, it's a slam accept, and That's what I want. I want Higgins' value may be, may increase when he leaves. And right now it's, it's incredible with the passing volume that it is in Cincinnati, the defense playing above what it should be. And that's not going to stay him, because why would they change their offense when it works so well? Like just because their defense gets better doesn't mean they're going to throw the ball significantly less. And with Boyd probably gone within a year or two, I think it's Higgins to the moon. This is yeah. two top. This is two receivers on this offense that should be viewed as top 10 dynasty assets. And then Chase can't get much higher than where he is, but Higgins could. No, it's hard to go higher than one. I mean, yeah, yeah, or yeah, right. Would you be shocked though if Higgins outscored Chase next year? How shocked would you be? Would you be shocked?
0: Surprised. I don't think I'd take it up to shocked, but I'd be surprised.
1: Cause I, 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 I think based on what the ADP is going to tell us in redraft, Higgins is going to be a value. Higgins
0: should be a value. Yes.
1: And that's pretty much where I'm going with it, but it, it's, they're not, I don't think they're that far off. That's
0: so why I hesitate to say two instead of 1A, 1B, but I do think that Chase's explosiveness makes him a, yeah. a clear one A. <laughs> trying to cool
1: the waters on Chase a little bit. That's probably but, why. I what I
0: will say is this. I, If you were to tell me that Higgins would out-target Chase, I'd buy that a little more and find that
1: a little bit more believable than outscore. That's fair. So... I'll be interested to keep seeing. I'll be interested to see what what, what the target share numbers look like next year. If they sure. both play a full 17, so does Burrow. Just to see where where it lines up. Because I Higgins is very, very, very talented. And he's still, even with his increase in ADP, he's still a bit under Uh
0: Under the radar is Michael Pittman. Side-saddle with Carson Wentz. Target volume wasn't necessarily you know something to fall in love with but the efficiency with that target volume was very very good and he was a very solid wide receiver too for most of the season
1: and he'll have his upside cap run for his offense and tethered to Carson Wentz but we've seen else we've seen big body receivers be successful with a Carson Wentz led offense I think Pittman will continue to be a value his his kind of Lack of of a upness towards the end of the year is going to help bring his value down. And it, uh, I agree, you will be—he's a guy you maybe want to sniff at in dynasty, and he'll be a value in redraft next year.
0: Yep. All right, running through the rest of the second round: Lavisca uh essentially a bust right now. KJ Hamler, Chase Claypool, Van Jefferson, Denzel Mims. Uh, Claypool and Jefferson have definitely shown the most out of that rest of this group. Mims has been kind of a forgotten man. Hamler has been hurt slash dead. all is on his you know, he's like creed over there doing one last breath. Um, But
1: with arms wide open. arms wide open. (laughs) Looking for that target from, from Lawrence.
0: Van Jefferson has shown flashes, although my concern with Van Jefferson is that when he's had the opportunity, when Robert Woods went down, he didn't really take. He didn't really shine in that opportunity. It went. They went straight out to Odell. Him, Odell Beckham, and then when Odell went down in the Super Bowl, he didn't shine in that opportunity or that role either. So you know they'll take their deep shots to Van Jefferson. He's gonna get his. He's gonna be a little bit volatile though, and he's not ever, I think, gonna gonna clear that echelon chase Claypool has a lot more upside um we'll have to see what Pitt does at quarterback what they do with Juju um and he's just pretty much gone I think Juju's gone too and then you know you'll have Deontay Johnson there as well so you know Claypool came onto the scene like a bat out of hell his rookie season and last year was relatively disappointing so for what a lot I think a lot of people were expecting he'd didn't have the big blow-up games necessarily or anything. He was just yeah, kind of gone.
1: He'll be someone that'll benefit a lot from you know from their quarterback chains. He, I mean, he was heavily affected by just Big Ben's lack of arm talent, left arm strength, and and just you know he, he's got the divinest to him too, you know you know already attached to it. He's he's we he probably already potentially have already seen peak. You know Claypool with that four touchdown game. Sure, I view them the way that I've, it's it's kind of like Gabe Davis. That be, Gabe Davis isn't is still cheaper than Claypool, and they're both kind of the same to me. Yeah, they're going to be downfield threats that will have roller coaster seasons of targets. You know, from a week to week base. Uh, I should note, I'm 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 going to probably chew their status a little bit, but. Got a little excited with Doug Peterson, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't can get much more. The guy that brought
0: you Jalen Rager.
1: Uh, uh, anyway. Uh, moving he didn't draft to- Jalen Rager.
0: Moving on to the third round. Lynn Bowden Jr., Brian Edwards, Devin Duvernay, Gabe Davis, or sorry, Devin Duvernay in that third round. Uh, DuBernay is a guy I was super excited for, and then he landed in Baltimore where there was – no volume and i mean he's basically been fine for what they've asked him to do but they haven't asked him to do nearly enough to justify being anything um brian edwards a lot of people were excited for and the uh, offense just i mean zay jones was was out producing brian edwards and those opportunities edwards is a guy that's looked fine a lot like Duvernay with the opportunities has been given, but the opportunities haven't necessarily been there
1: either. So Edwards is just tethered to the wrong quarterback for him, but he's also just the wrong breed of receivers that have been successful moving forward. I think with it, it, he can't separate and Derek Carr is not gonna throw receivers open. He won't he's not taking risks. And Duvernay that, can't separate, his
0: game. but he's a guy that needs volume to get it done. And he won't ever get that involved in Baltimore. So these are two guys that I think you got to watch is, you know, potentially second team guys here in a couple of years and
1: see, I mean, Dubernay. I mean, you know, year, you know, year four no, three, excuse three. me, um, without potentially Sammy walk still, he should have that, that slot role secure, or at least have that number three role with, secure.
0: Yeah. But I still don't think with Andrews, Hollywood Brown and,
1: I'm not Bay saying he's going to give you... I've, I'm saying he'll have his starting role secure that if injuries were to happen. yeah, And he does have his own defined role within that offense regardless. They're,
0: <coughs> sure. I still think that you're not going to get anything Not enough, out of yeah. either guy until second team. Great. He's starting. He's on the field, but you're still fourth in targets on a low volume pass offense. So,
1: God damn it. He's good.
0: Um... Fourth round, Gabe Davis, Gandy Golden. Uh, we've talked about Gabe Davis a lot on this show. He's he's going to have an expanded role. He's looked great in the roles that he's had. He had a blow-up game in in the playoffs against the Chiefs. And, you know, I think that he's been kind of a big play specialist on doing a lot with a Little. I think that you're going to get to see more and more of him. Um, you know, and... You know, kind of your real last uh, maybe buy low window is going to be middle of the offseason probably when people have forgotten about that giant game because when you get into next year and he starts stringing some performances together, that price is going to skyrocket. And I'm just saying, I think he will string some perform- performances together. For the crowd that says that his game against the Chiefs was his best game and get out, yeah, I get it. If you're trying to sell at peak, that's what you do. Or if you're trying to trade at peak value, that's what you do, but I'm not that guy I'm right on a bell curve. And I think that there's going to be some sustainable success from Gabe Davis over the next couple of years. So I'm not ready to get out yet.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it, I mean, you said it best. If you like him, you're going to hold them. If you're looking to capitalize on the trade window that was given to him, you're there. problem is it, that window is going to close until free agency. Like it, it, the keys cooled off of them right now. You you trade them literally a, a, a day or two after that game, because after that it just kind of goes away because people just forget about it because you're on to the next player that's booming, the next headlines that are coming out, and right now, you know you can spin a lot of narratives to what's going to happen with Davis. Why? you know why couldn't he take more from you know from Beasley or Sanders or or John Brown when they're just below average players at this point in their career to the point and then on the flip side is well they're all gone because of the veteran you know bullshit that teams will give players and he should have more all we know is, is that he's just coming off of his game of his career and he's going to be he's so polarizing that it, if you don't really like him you're not going to draft him anyways because he will Go two to three rounds prior to when you think you'll take him. Sure. He's just, he's a pure truth player. He's, you know, Darius Slayton after his rookie year. And it's just whether or not he can contain, you know, you know he can build on that is what's going to happen. And we'll, I think we'll find out. I think he can.
0: Uh, Gandy Golden was a guy that bought people like the size and the opportunity that he landed into, and he's done nothing.
1: It's a bad prospect, anyways. It was
0: not a, Good prospect. It was more <laughs> of a size and landing spot type of thing that that drove him up. Uh, sure. Beyond that, Joe Reed, I'll let you go ahead on, on Tyler Johnson briefly. Nothing? Okay, good. <laughs> That's all I can say. Colin Johnson showed uh, some flashes. Quintez Cephas in Detroit. Now, this is the other guy that gives me a little concern with. We're going to pause here for a minute because this does give me some concern with St. Brown because Cephas was actually stringing together some Pretty serviceable games before he got hurt. I don't know that that's long-term, and it's so far removed that you don't have a window there anymore. But hold because, you know, don't look at the name Quintus, Cephas, and think, uh, cut this guy now. He's he's a hold because he did produce, he did string some stuff together there in Detroit before he got hurt with Hawks still on the field before St. Brown came on. And you are going to have to see a little bit of that how that unfolds, and if Cephas is still usable, it's actually a player that you could get some value out of versus cutting for free. So just want to put that note out there.
1: C-Fist will be starting Week One. He will be. They'll likely have a rookie receiver alongside him on the outside with Saint Brown playing slot. We'll see who commands more of the target or of the of the snap volume when they're running. You know, you know, two receiver or. Or twelve personnel. That's pretty much it. It's Seifert carved out his role before Saint Brown had his footing, and the, the stretches of weeks were so long because Cephas got hurt early enough that it, it's hard to know. I mean, Saint right. Brown had saw it six weeks of of incredible success at
0: the end, and there was no Cephas there. So this is like what team? Was but he on. was gone.
1: I mean, but and Seifert had been gone for multiple multiple weeks prior to that even yes. happening. Yeah. It, it it's more of it's more of a luxury. I, I like I said it. will probably start week 1 as one of the outside receivers. It's a hold.
0: Yeah. John Hightower, Isaiah Coulter, nothing there. Darnell Mooney. <laughs> He's the one in Chicago right now. He was the one all season. I think he had like 104 targets. 140. 140. Damn, he stayed healthy. Yeah, so the target volume was was there for Mooney. Um, what do you make of him long term? Is is not? He shouldn't.
1: If he's being valued as a one, I'm trading him.
0: He's yeah, not. He, he's not. He he's
1: should, not a one. He, he's he's not.
0: No, he's, but he's
1: a good two. He's a great two. Good field stretcher. He's a great two, and I think for fantasy wise, if if once his once the values cool down. Because he's been the one that's kind of sustained that because of the fact that Robinson was a complete bust his final year in Chicago, Mooney stayed healthy, and he paired well with both Dalton and Fields. Ninth and he unreal. got open. He got open.
0: Ninth and unrealized air yards.
1: Yeah, and, and once you know Fields gets himself you know settled in, I still like Mooney. I, I don't know where his true value lies, in now it's probably cooled down a little bit. Um. DLF has him as wide receiver thirty six, just behind Hunter Renfro, just ahead of Michael Thomas, which Michael Thomas is massive value, because for all sorts of reasons. Oh. But he, right now he's being taken in that six round range yeah. in startups.
0: The eleventh in target separation to go along with 9th in unrealized air yards and fourteenth in or thirteenth, sorry, in actual air yards. So I mean, it was definitely there for him. Yeah, um, you get a little more consistency in the offense, a little bit better quarterback. And you know, even if you take away 30 or 40 of those targets because you bring somebody new in, I still want this all day is a third wide the, receiver on my roster. The,
1: the, this is what I, if I had Mooney, what I'd be doing. Racing Trey's deal off Mooney in a 22 first round pick for DK back half. If you're going to move Mooney, Shoot for a top seven receiver dynasty. A spot where Mooney will probably never hold. And that's not to his own fault, but just no, it's just based the on the role and, and just him as a prospect. to, be able to move him for a top five in most people's minds. Yeah. And then the trade right below that it was uh, Darius Slayton and a 22 first for Darnell Mooney. The, I, which the question is would you trade a first a twenty two first for Mooney?
0: No, but I damn sure accept one.
1: So, 22 seconds,
0: yeah, but not a first.
1: Yeah, it's it's at that point where Mooney's value is still high enough to where he's in that sell window, and that's because he's still coming off of this incredible season. I, I don't think we're going to see higher than this in peak value, but he could. Yeah. And if you like him enough, then obviously I see why you hold him. I think he's, he's a sell. If that's still the value for him, but... No, I think
0: so, too, because you're going to get a prolonged sell window here. And I think that this is so far... I say bell curve, but this is like somebody went up to the top of the bell curve and then like put a trampoline up there and was jumping <laughs> on it. And at <laughs> the peak a of higher his higher. jump, that's where his value is right now. So I do think this is one of the things where you do come off of somebody at their peak because... It will never, it's not like it's this high and then it's going to come down gradually. I don't even think his value, his target volume and value will ever be close to this high again. So that's not an indictment on Moody. I think he's going to be a very serviceable piece, but it's saying I'm okay. This is one of the few times where I am okay with cashing in on a guy at their peak. Uh, All right, next couple guys. KJ Osborne, Donathan Peoples, Jones, Quest Watkins have all shown flashes. Um no, none of them have done anything consistent. I don't have a lot to say about any of them. Uh keep an eye on Thieland, I guess, for for KJ because he did produce. Osborne's probably gonna get replaced.
1: Yeah. Like this was this was his peak. And unfortunately his cell window was in season, so but I mean I still like him as a player. I'm glad that he came on, you know, to where he is. I, I, Minnesota's going to probably add receivers and Osborne's going to.
0: Well, they should add receivers regardless because they're top heavy with (laughs) no depth.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's Osborne doesn't play special teams and you just have a whole new coaching change with no ties to them. So, yeah, that's, I've said way too many words already.
0: James Prochet sucks. Isaiah Hodgins is nothing. Desmond Patton Freddie swing. Juwan Jennings, KJ Hill, Tyree Cleveland, all nothing. So, to the end of that. Tight ends, I'll read through the names, because we don't need to talk about any of them. Cole Komet. Actually, Komet is probably the one guy we can talk a little <laughs> bit about. Sorry. did it say maybe. Komet and Alberto maybe deserve a little bit of time, so we'll talk about them. Um as we run through it. So Colgamat, second round pick in Chicago. He has come on a little bit. He was kind of a reliable option there briefly at the beginning of the season. Um and is a guy that with more consistency in the offense if they do decide to leverage him, could give you some I think his ceiling is probably Dalton Schultz, but you know, could very well give you some serviceable weeks in that top twelve. Tight end range. He's not a guy that you, he's a hold. He's not a guy you trade for. He's not a guy that has enough value to, to trade away. But, you know, he flashed enough year two with tight ends being later breakouts and this offense hopefully getting more consistent to still say, yeah, there could be something there.
1: He fits in that large cluster of, of like, he's not, he's an upper echelon tight end talent. He's on an offense that has, you know, lack of target competition at this moment. It's not like Chicago's throwing the football around a shit ton either. Yeah. Yeah. He is just, he's just a guy. He could easily, you know, finish as a mid, uh, low tight end one based on the fact that he stayed healthy, but he's never, he doesn't have top three top five in his future that's just not i just don't think that's no. where i'm at with him and he's just a part of that large fucking cluster pool of tight ends he's not hyper athletic but it's better than uh <laughs> almost any of the rest of these guys so there's that i mean this is like the 2020 class is running it's QBs, running back receivers and then nothing do you, you fucking punt tight end it's, uh
0: yeah. devin Asiasi is nothing just DeGora. Degora Salsa run with uh, the Packers, but not anything worth anything. Yep. Um, Dalton Keene, also nothing. So the Patriots spent two draft picks on tight ends that have not amounted to anything.
1: And then replaced them with Hunter Henry Right. and John O. Smith the yeah. following offseason.
0: Uh, Adam Troutman, nothing. Harrison Bryant, nothing. Uh, Albert L. Would be something if he wasn't in the same offense as Noah Fant. When we talk about guys, that <laughs> the
1: the most athletic tight end in this class, yeah. And with with Tim Patrick and Cortlandson, and so you know, being signed, maybe Fant moves on and El stays here. I think Fant, I think Fant is going to move on, and that's where your window
0: is. But you're not there yet. He's a hold, um, or you know, Fant. This has been known to get banged up and stuff. You could see Alberto come on a, a bit more there. Um, he's the other guy in this class, though, that I think is a hold.
1: I pick, I, I, I think he's, I think he's on most people's waiver pool. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he tied in tight premium leagues, he's rostered, but Alberto is someone you just, you pick up as a turn piece. You hold him in the off season and you just kind of hold him there until you need to drop somebody. Mm hmm. Because he's got he's got that upside. He's, he's flashed when Fenton's been hurt. He's flashed when he had his, when he's had his chances. But I, I mean, we're about to get another decent you know, tight end class, supposedly. Because I don't I don't watch tight ends, but I'm not there yet. Yeah, it, 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 supposedly this is a a far better tight end class. But in terms of a tight end that's got a chance to shine when given opportunity, Alberto is one of the only tight ends in this class that has that shot outside of Cole Komet.
0: And the next guy, I want to say a couple words about Bryson Hopkins. Mostly because I'm just determined to make Bryson Hopkins a thing.
1: Just because of our group chat.
0: Yeah, well, because of (laughs) our group chat.
1: It's Uh, like like Josh's love for you.
0: Yes, except for Bryson Hopkins is actually super freaking athletic and profiles like a tight end that could be something. Um, And did look pretty good in the Super Bowl. That's all I got to say. It's another guy that is athletic as hell that looked decent in the Super Bowl. You're looking to see if he can carve out a little bit more in year three. He was super raw coming into the league. Tight ends are late breakout a lot of the time. Um, you know, Tyler Higbee we know was not it. Hopkins is probably better than Kendall Blanton. I think he stays on this roster, and he's just somebody that you hold and you keep an eye on until you need to turn the roster spot because of his athleticism. And how easy it is to become a tight end one.
1: Just got to get healthy. Just got to say healthy and get a little lucky.
0: Yeah. But the athleticism is definitely there.
1: So no, I definitely agree. Um, that's it. Is that it? Yeah, it?
0: yeah. Charlie Warner, Tyler Davis, and Steven Sullivan. Okay. Now that's it. That's our show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Right at two hours on the norm, on the button. Uh 2021 next week with Josh Larkey. Don't
1: get covid again, even though I, I know you can't. I'm so pumped for next week's show.